Yo, 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 welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. I'm here. I'm here in full effect Wednesday episode. I hope you guys are doing fine. Hope you guys are feeling well. I'm doing fine myself. Granted, it's finals weeks, but, uh, you know, I'm doing fine. No, nevertheless, I'm here. I'm ready. Full effect. Ready to get into some NFL football. Uh, obviously, you know, you guys annual weekly top 10 list comes out i will be i'll be gladly happy i'll be happily to show you guys my top 10 list it's starting to look a little bit more uh solidified a little bit with some of these teams uh and the placings and the orderings and the rank and the rankings of them but uh i can't wait i can't wait to unveil my top 10 my weekly top 10 list after a couple big games obviously buffalo new england is a top of the agenda we're obviously going to touch on that um it was a couple more division games, a couple more conference in a conference games that happened that transpired. Uh, um, Justin Herbert, the Chargers took took on the Cincinnati Bengals. That was a pretty good game, uh, pretty exciting game to watch. A lot of ups and downs and so forth. Both quarterbacks played pretty well. Herbert played a little bit better. Uh, I think the Chargers are a little bit better team than Cincinnati. I feel like I still feel like Cincinnati. Granted, they you know they're seven and five. I still feel like it's more of a rebuild, but. Um, first and foremost, before we even dive into any topic, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Um, shouts out to all the first-time listeners. Shouts out to all the regular listeners of this podcast. If you are a regular listener of this podcast and you continuously uh, show love, support, and you know share this podcast and share it with a friend or whatever, thank you. Big shouts out to you. Uh, like I said, shouts out, shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you are a first-time listener, shouts out to you. I hope you come back for the next episode. Now, where should we start? Should we start with the Patriots, Patriots Bills? I think we should. I think we should still. I think we should start with the Patriots and Bills. Um, and the AFC. I told you guys the NFC. I've kind of predicted mostly. Top the top four teams are kind of what I thought. Uh, Arizona, I didn't I, I didn't think Arizona would be ten and two, but they're they're a really good football team and so forth, right? Um, but let's start with New England and Buffalo, the showdown Monday night football game uh, that I'm sure a lot of you guys watch. I watched. Uh, where do we start? <laughs> where do we start? So we start with the Patriots running game. I think we should. Right, that was a big key, but I'm a I'm gonna take a diff, I'm gonna take a different approach to this. I'm gonna take a different approach to this about what I saw and what I realized about just watching this Patriots and Bills game. Okay, so let's start with Bill Belichick I, because, and I had to rely on some of my um, some you know some of the older coaches, right? I always talk about this. We in sports, sports and different leagues have their ebbs and flows. Uh, and I think Belichick, out of any active coach, certainly, I think totally understands the best of the ebbs and flows of the league. And you know, I used to bring on um, you guys, you guys, you guys. If you're a regular listener, you guys remember Coach Lee. And I would bring on Coach Lee, and we would talk about. Sometimes we would dive into conversations concerning coaches, young. And I would, and me just being me, right? 
of my youth, I would bring in and talk about the innovations of these young coaches, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, and so forth. And Lee, Coach Lee would always push back. He would always push back on Belichick and the older coaches within the league. Belichick, Andy Reid, right? Where Belichick have seen so much. And to a degree, football, just like any other sport, any other league, the NFL, has its ebbs and flows. When you think of Major League Baseball, right? No matter, like, you see the trend in the direction regular season baseball is taking. Home runs, a lot of strikeouts, right? But in terms of winning a World Series, still winning a World Series, you got to have great pitching. Great pitching always great, – great pitching and good depth on, in, in your bullpen. It still never fails you. No matter how no matter how sexy the long ball gets, you know, everybody wants to hit homers. Everybody wants big – like big bats at the plate. Still matters about your bullpen and pitching. In basketball, we, you know, we love the three-point shot. The three-point shot, the three-point shot. But I think – as the game slows down in the postseason, having a reliable mid-range, go, uh, having a reliable go-to guy, mid-range guy that can pull up and just take over and get their, create their own shot, it still matters in the postseason. You need that. That's how you win championships. Also defensively. And then in the NFL, we, we're seeing such a pass-heavy league, pass-heavy league, and it's like New England's going the opposite direction. Uh, and, and, and this feeds in a little bit to Buffalo and what, and this is what I've noticed about Buffalo as well, but I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that. What I noticed about Buffalo after this Belichick point and Belichick, my point is he understands, I think better than anyone, probably the ebbs and flows of the league. You can, you can, and you can date this back all the way to his days as a defensive coordinator with the giants. When the Giants played the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl and the Buffalo Bills with Jim Kelly and, and Andre Reid and uh, like all of these weapons offensively, Buffalo, mass, B- Buffalo, impressive offense, great offense, Hall of Famers everywhere, like just Hall of Famers everywhere, Thurman. Like, so when you look at what Belichick did to neutralize Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and then you look at what he con- what he has continued to do when he faces these elite, new, innovative offenses, such as you can go back, you can go back, you can look, you can look at the 1985 Super Bowl champ, uh, Super Bowl, like I said about Buffalo and Jim Kelly, um, Thurman and uh, Andre Reid, and you can go back and look at the 2001 Super Bowl with versus the Rams, where the league is heading into this passing revolution because that's the early 2000s is where you start to see the early beginnings of the passing revolution into what the league is now where it's so pass heavy belichick was able to find a way to neutralize the greatest show on turf that the st louis rams kirk warner marshall falk he was able to slow that down and then this continues to happen it continues to happen doesn't matter who it is. Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan and Atlanta Falcons. Sean McVay, number one offense with the Rams. It continues to happen over the course of 30-plus years. And I think with that, Belichick 
he he understands and he sees better than anyone, I think, the league is heading in such a pass heavy league where defenses are now are now trying to find different dime and nickel packages to defend these high these high octane passing offenses. But Belichick's like, oh, what if I have a strong offensive line as a unit? I have a rookie quarterback who not the most mobile, don't, ha- don't necessarily have to have the strongest arm. But what if I'm able to just control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball? And what if I'm able to just run the football effectively where teams and, you know, opposing teams, defenses around the league, they are looking to defend the pass. How about we just run the football? We're going to run the football better than anybody else. And that effectively, that is what New England has been this year. Or I should say, since they've gone on this eight-game winning streak, seven-game winning streak now, over the last two months. Over the last two months, that's what they have, that's that's what they have turned into. That's their identity. And just like I mentioned with baseball, you know, no matter how, you know, no matter how sexy the long ball gets, no matter, you know, we we wanna we wanna see our our best bats get hit 40, 50 home runs. At the end of the day, pitching still matters. Bullpen still matters. And just like in the NFL, it doesn't like I'm not saying you can't win with these guys. I'm not saying you can't win with, you know, pass, like I'm not saying that. But in the postseason, gets colder, the weather's a little bit more crazy, and you gotta travel. A couple things that travel, and I always and I always talk about this with New England. They do they do things well that's gonna travel. Running the football, you can run the football anywhere. Offensive line play. Uh, control the line of scrimmage on both sides, that travels. Defense, that travels. That travels. You know what don't travel? Deep, deep, you know, teams and offenses that like to go deep. Because what happens if the if the weather is crazy? Once again, I'm going to go back to John. I'm going to go back to Buffalo and what I pointed out and what I saw. But at the end of the day, New England and Belichick, like I said, I think better than anyone, while the rest of the league is zagging or zigging, he's zagging. And, you know, it's no surprise that he's able to he's he's seen so much off like like as a defensive minded guy, he's seen he's seen so much since the mid 80s. Going into the '90s, going into the early 2000s, now and now we're here. He has seen so much of the direction of the league change, where the Bills and the high and their high flying offense throughout the '80s and the '90s, and then you look at you know the Rams in the early 2000s and so forth, and then as it continued, as it continued to involve those Peyton Manning teams with the Colts, where it was high octane, a lot of passing, very explosive. He's seen so much of it. So it's nothing really offensively that you can do versus Belichick because he's seen it all. He's seen it all. And it's and think of it like this. It's just the personnel. It's it's in the simple math. If every team in the league 
is trying to find a way to defend the pass better, right? Every team is trying to find these different nickel packages and these different dime packages. You, you, we, we now see the trend of the league where you get, you, you see these a lot of these teams get smaller linebackers, get smaller and more agile and more athletic linebackers, so they're be, so they're better able to defend the pass. So when you got every team trying to go for the same type of player, the same type of um, player build, right? When you have that, and New England's like, oh, no, we'll actually take a linebacker that's a thumper that'll stop the run. It's it, it, like effectively, if you're if you're one of those teams, uh, like a lot of these teams, like a lot of these teams are, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get a um a, a like a a, a a nickel corner, right? And you're going after, I don't know, the 10th best nickel corner as everybody in the league is trying to find a, a really good nickel corner. How about you try to go get a thumper at linebacker? And that's what New England's doing. New England is just, they're just evolving and they're seeing the direction that everybody's going in as far as personnel on offense and defense seeing where the game is heading offensively and defensively. And like, hold up. We don't need to do that. We can actually, instead of trying to go after the the 11th or the 10th best nickel corner, we can just go get the best thumper at linebacker or one of, and it's so, it's so much easier, especially in the draft where everybody's looking for a particular player or a particular type of player and the thumper linebacker, it just never goes out of style. It never goes out of style. And New England and Belichick, they're showing you that. They're showing you that. He's seen so many fads, so many trends. And I I, I swear, Lee, 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 Coach Lee tried to warn me. He tried to warn me about this. He tried to warn me about this. But I think Belichick and his effectiveness with always finding a way to out-scheme and prepare for just different instances, like different situations. It can be weather, offense, doesn't matter. He always finds, it seems like he always finds a way to neutralize those those things. He always finds a way to neutralize those things. Um, now, I want to I wanna shift the Buffalo a little bit, right? Because that was... New England, it was that was a great that was that was more Belichick. Well, we saw Monday Night Football. That was more Belichick just just showing his brilliance, right? But on the flip side, let's look at Buffalo. Because I think Buffalo, you know, you I, I know a lot of you guys have probably I'm I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably seen their press game conferences. Uh, after the game, their post-game conferences, after the game. And let's say it wasn't the best. Let's just say it wasn't the best. And I think the Bills are interesting. And you guys know I've been high on the Bills throughout the course of the year. I have. They're a, they're a team where you look at their team and you watch them play, especially when they when they smell blood in the water, they attack. They attack, and they and they're really good. They, they, they're really, really good. And I think the Bills, they're a hard team 
not to like in terms of they they do a lot they do a lot of things that you look for really well but buffalo it's interesting i like like i said i like a lot of the elements that they have josh allen brian dayball you know the weapons that they have on offense you know they went out and traded and acquired digs i love the aggressiveness for that um, you know, I like their secondary, Jordan Poirier, Micah Hyde. Those guys are really good. Obviously, uh, Tredavious White, but he's hurt. Um, and even in the draft this past year, they went out. They said, hey, we need more pass rushers. They got more pass rushers and, you know, so forth. It's a pretty good team. It's a pretty good overall team. They have done a, a relatively good job with building this team. Mind you, I think people forget Buffalo prior to Josh Allen when they had Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback, they made the playoffs. So, like, Buffalo wasn't necessarily, at, at least, like, recently, right, in the recent past, they weren't a dumpster fire. They just didn't have the right quarterback. But, like, defensively, they had the they had, they had great, they had good players on defense. They could get it done on defense. They can stop you. Um, and, you know, obviously the coaching had, you know, the coaching staff had came along and so forth. But, this Buffalo team, they were making the playoffs. They just didn't have the right quarterback. Then they get Josh Allen. Then they, you know, Brian Dayball develops Josh Allen. Josh Allen gets better and so forth. But you know when Buffalo's missing? You know, they and, – and when trying to build a championship team, Buffalo missed a step, I think. And I'm starting to realize it. Buffalo missed a step. Because usually when you're trying to build a championship contender team, which I think Buffalo is, I think they missed a step. And what they didn't do, usually what you want to do, is you want to align your roster to your division, the weather, geographics, and so forth. That's what you usually want to do. I think that's huge. I think that's a huge thing that people overlook. You want to align your roster according to your division strengths. So, for instance, you look at the NFC West. It is imperative. It is imperative that you have a strong offensive line in the NFC West. You know why? Because you look at the teams in the NFC West. First, look at the L.A. Rams. L.A. Rams have Aaron Donald, the most – I don't know, dominant player since Reggie White defensively. I don't like like he's the most dominant defensive defensive lineman since Reggie White. You're gonna need someone to stop him. You need you need great you need good offensive line play. I look at the 49ers, really good front four. You look at the Arizona Cardinals, pretty good front four. You need to have a solid offensive line playing in NFC West. Just ask the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. So I think Buffalo, they were so concerned last year about Kansas City and beating Kansas City, where they they completely they went all in and they pushed their chips to the table, all to the table, in the middle of the table, and it's like we're going all in to beat Kansas City. But <laughs> they forgot that. New England was still a thing. Like they forgot. 
They 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 forgot that New England was still a thing, and I don't think Buffalo, as constructed right now, I don't think their roster is is um is aligned properly with their division, where they are geographically, because Buffalo has some nasty weather. New England has some nasty weather. The Jets, New York, nasty weather. Typically, you want to be able to run the football around this time as November and December and January. Like, you want to be able to run the football because you don't know <laughs> what the climate, you don't know what the climates will entail. You don't know. And I think Buffalo, to a degree, and it, and it speaks to what I was talking about in the previous topic about Belichick. Belichick understanding the assignment and Belichick knowing the ebbs and flows in the, in the direction of the league. Because you know what you know what Buffalo did this offseason? Buffalo was like, we're going all out for Kansas City. We're going to add more pass rushers, which they did, and they needed more pass rushing. They, also, they, they, you know, uh, Buffalo was also looking for more nickel and dime packages, more weapons on offense. They went out and added Emmanuel Sanders. I like Mike Davis that they've been developing and bringing on. But you know what you can't do when you start adding all of this stuff, nickel and dime defenses and so forth. You know what, you know what Buffalo forgot to do? They forgot the fact that they have to stop the run. And with Kansas City, you don't have to worry about that. Because <laughs> that's and that's how I know Buffalo and they and they and Buffalo made it clear last year. They was like, oh man, we don't want to ever feel this feeling again. We're gonna beat Kansas City. And to be honest, early this year, they beat Kansas City's ass. <laughs> like, like they did. Like they whooped Kansas City. So job well done. They beat Kansas City, but now <laughs> The Patriots are back. <laughs> and you and you have you can't stop the run. You have no run game. And you're not built to beat the most premier team in your face, in your division. You're not you're not going to be able to beat them. Because your your personnel doesn't align with how you're gonna like they Buffalo built this team to stop the pass defensively. They stopped their they stopped they stocked up their defense to defend the passing game because they're thinking, yeah. They're not even thinking about New England. They're thinking about Kansas City. They're like, this time we're gonna beat Kansas City. And then New England comes back up. <laughs> <laughs> Then New England comes back up. <laughs> New England's like, ah, oh, no, wait a second. Wait a second. We, we, you got to be able to stop the run, too. What about us? You forgot about us. <laughs> you got to be able to stop the run. And Buffalo can't stop the run. And Buffalo can't run the ball themselves. Now, in this during this game particularly, I thought Josh Allen missed about five throws. I thought I think I, I think Josh Allen, if I'm if I'm not wrong, I thought I think Josh Allen missed about five throws that could have won Buffalo the game. But, you know, they didn't. He didn't connect on those throws. He didn't connect on those throws. But that is literally 
That's literally the, the, the Bills' problem. That is their problem. They built their team to beat Kansas City, and I always talk about this. During, the, during draft season, during, you know, around the draft, I always talk about what teams need accordingly to their division. Because that's what that, because that like that's the first step to being able to win a Super Bowl or being able to get closer to that goal or being more likely to win the Super Bowl. The first step is winning your division. Because it is significantly, it becomes significantly harder to win the Super Bowl if you don't win your division. Now, granted, like I said, you know, there's been teams that's been able to win the Super Bowl that hasn't won a division. I'm not saying Buffalo still can't do that, but it's going to be much more difficult with New England. It looks because it looks as New it looks like New England's going to win the division. It looks like they're going to be the number one seed. And Buffalo, at best, they finish number two in the, in the division, which I think they probably will. But it becomes significantly harder when you're on the road throughout the postseason and you got to win three road games in order to advance to the Super Bowl. It becomes much more harder. And I think that is the one missing step that Buffalo forgot. They forgot to properly align their roster according to their division, according to their division and their weather and geographics. Because in those wins, I don't give a damn how strong Josh Allen arm is. It would have been much more easier offensively for Buffalo to run the football. But they didn't. But they didn't. And like I said, I think Buffalo, and that's why, you know, you heard, and I, I might try to find some clips and play it for you. About you know with Buffalo, uh, Buffalo's you know the the post game conferences, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and Sean McDermott and so forth. But and I and you they they're very frustrated, and I I kind of sense their frustration comes from a place that like I feel like Buffalo on paper they feel that they are better than New England, like they feel like they have just a better their guys are better than New England guys. But they for, I think totally they forgot about New England. I think the Bills, they built their team according, they built their team to beat Kansas City. They didn't build, they didn't build this team to beat New England because they probably didn't think New England would be a factor. <laughs> they probably didn't think New England would be this big of a factor. <sighs> well, boy, were they wrong? Were they wrong? And the Bills, I still think they're in a they're 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 certainly in a peculiar situation, you know, in a peculiar position. But I think that was the one misstep. And I also think, why didn't they run the ball with Josh Allen more? I feel like Buffalo left some meat on the bone with not running with Josh Allen a little bit more. Like they didn't they didn't run Josh. I thought they would run Josh. You know, with running the football. I thought they would utilize Josh Allen and his freakish abilities. They didn't do that as much as I thought they could have, especially in the red zone. So some miscues, but I think Beth, I think definitely Buffalo, they missed, they missed a step. When building this team, they forgot 
to align and build their team to beat their division and to win their division. They were so fro- they were so focused and worried about Kansas City. And right, I mean, they may beat Kansas City again and again and again. But it won't matter because you gotta get through New England. Gotta get through New England. And it looks like they're gonna win the division. I'll be back after this quick break. What's up, y'all? Do you know, do you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? Want to rep your favorite team on any given day? Then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go to the47brand.com right now. Holiday sales. I'm sure they're going to have a Black Friday sale. Go check it out right now. Free shipping for orders, $75 plus. So you guys go over there to the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams from the MLB to the NHL to the NFL, NBA, or NCAA. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Get something. Rep your favorite team any given day. Go check out that sale. Before it runs out, go check it out. The 47 brand. Okay, so let's shift gears to the college football playoff. Uh, The college football playoff was revealed. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because – like over the weekend, as uh, we got the results, obviously going into the weekend, right? We, you know, Georgia was one, Michigan was two, Bama was three, Cincinnati was four, and basically, if those, if all of those, t- if if Bama beat Georgia, Bama would be in. Georgia, we we were we we all believe that Georgia, even with a loss, would still be in. That remained true. If Michigan win, they're in. And if Cincinnati win, they're in. So that's basically what happened this weekend, uh, this past weekend, where there wasn't a lot of drama. There wasn't a lot of confusion. The only thing was the only, like, quote-unquote upset was Georgia, was Alabama beating Georgia. Obviously, in some other conference championships, uh, Baylor did beat Oklahoma, who where Oklahoma, Oklahoma was at number five. I don't know if I don't know if Oklahoma would have won, would have changed anything because Cincinnati had won convincingly um, over Houston. Uh, Michigan had won convincingly over Iowa and so forth. So I don't know even if Oklahoma State would have won. I don't know if I don't know if that would have did much, you know, created even more drama. I don't think so. But um, Alabama did Bryce Young had an amazing, amazing performance versus uh, Georgia. And, you know, the one thing with Georgia that, you know, I, I like Kirby Smart. Uh, they have 11 def- They have eleven guys on defense. That's that's going to be playing on Sundays. Like, like <laughs> you know, Georgia, they're that good defensively. Um, but first, you can never count out Nick Saban. <laughs> like, the, like, and it was kind of, it was, it was a little hysterical that we were calling or naming or framing uh, Alabama like the underdogs. And we were in – I even heard some college football, you know, uh, pundits saying, hey, Alabama, they're not as dominant this, this year. And and quite frankly, they weren't as dominant this year. But in a big game versus Georgia, some way, somehow, they just know when to show up and know how to show up. Um, and over the last couple years, even since Georgia, you know, Kirby Smart has taken over. He's done a great job at Georgia and they have been, uh, they've been relatively a championship contender. 
Um, this is their second time in the college football playoff. But it seems like every time Georgia is peaking um, or have a championship caliber team, it seems like the quarterback, it's like it's dependent upon the quarterback play, whether or not they're going to get over the top. Because, you know, at other positions and other units of their football team, they're solid. Skill positions, defense, they're solid. They're, they are solid everywhere else usually. But it's the quarterback position where we have to wait and see. We don't even know who, who we don't even know who, who the quarterback's gonna be versus Michigan. I'm not so convinced. That's I came on and I wasn't even sure. People was like, people were just, and I get it. Georgia was very dominant and they had they had proven and shown throughout the course of the season up until last week that they were the number one team in the country. But I wasn't so convinced and so sure that JT like like that they were just gonna go into the Georgia Dome, or I should say the Mercedes Benz Dome, right, and and beat Bama. I wasn't just so convinced of that. And we don't even know who their quarterback is gonna be versus Michigan. I'm not so convinced they're gonna beat Michigan. If I had to pick, they'd probably be Michigan, but I'm not convinced of it. Um, just just due to the quarterback play. And me not knowing who the quarterback is, um, or who they're gonna, what guy they're gonna roll with, but um, Alabama will be playing Cincinnati, Michigan will be playing Georgia. This should be two really good games. I think this is a really big game. This is a really monumental game that Cincinnati is about to play versus Alabama because uh, Cincinnati, you know, we've been, you know, some people within the media, within college football have been fighting for, has been fighting and fighting and fighting for a team outside of the Power Five conference uh, or conferences to get into the playoff. Now here's Cincinnati's chance. And this can have major implications for next, or not even for next year, but for the college football playoff in general. This can have major implications because if Cincinnati goes out there and wet the bed in Alabama just Alabama 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 just shows completely why Cincinnati shouldn't even be in this playoff right and I'm not saying Cincinnati shouldn't be but I'm saying if Alabama just wipes the floor with Cincy then a lot of people are going to be reluctant and there's going to be a lot of I told you so's like I told you no team outside of the Power Five conferences, you know, can compete with the Power Five conference, you know, like the SEC in particular, right? Like it's gonna be a lot of I told you so's. But if Cincinnati, if they if they hold their ground and if they play a competitive football game and they show what you know, and they look like they look to par, like they look like they belong on the same field as Alabama, somewhat, if they can like because I don't think Cincinnati's gonna beat Alabama. But if they show why they belong, I think that can have major implications. Either way, I think it has major implications, negative or positive, on the future of the college football playoff and for teams and conferences like the American Con- Like, I think it, 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 it has major implications. It can go one way. It can, go, it can be positive or negative. Um, so this is a really big game for Cincinnati, real big game, not just for Cincinnati, but for the future teams down the line, um, you know, because it looks as if college football, the NCAA, they're going to expand the playoff. They're going to expand the playoff, it seems. But we'll see. I think this game will have major implications 
Uh, also, don't forget my top 10 teams still to come. My top 10 teams still to come. Don't don't forget about that. I have not forgotten. I'm excited to unveil my top 10 teams this week. All right. So you guys know what time it is. Top 10 teams. It is time to give me it is time to give you guys my top 10 teams uh, after this week. Boy, oh, boy. So top 10 teams, man, man. The time really flies. Top 10 teams after week 13 going into week 14. Uh, I feel pretty confident about this list. So let's dive right into it. At number 10, I have the Buffalo Bills. I have the Buffalo Bills, as I've stated already in my opening or in my opening segments, uh, you know, concerning the Patriots and Bills game. The Bills, they they can't run the ball effectively. Um, and, you know, that it's going to things going to hurt them. I think it's going to hurt them. And in games like that versus the Patriots on Monday night where the weather wasn't the best, uh, the wind was just going crazy, and you really could have relied. Like, I thought the Bills really missed out on a big opportunity, um, not only on that, you know, not only to win that game, but to utilize Josh Allen more in the running game, you know, especially in the red zone as they got closer and closer to the red zone where they weren't able to cash in on two drives. I thought that was a big, Big, big miss opportunity from the Bills. So they're still sitting at seven and five, but they play the Buccaneers this upcoming week. I don't know how they're going to fare, but like I said, they can't run the football, and they had a huge misstep with the way how they orchestrated and constructed their roster because now they constructed their roster to beat Kansas City, but now New England has re has you know resurrected. And now they're back at the top of the AFC East and the AFC in general. Bills at 10. At number nine, I have the Rams. The Rams, you know, I, I took them out of the top 10 last week uh, because three straight losses. I, you know, I, I can't I can't do nothing with I can't do nothing with that. Three straight losses, but they got back on track versus the Jaguars. Um, they lead the league in yards per play. Uh OBJ is starting to get going, you know. Sony Michelle also had a pretty good day versus the Jaguars as well. I, you know, this Rams team, a lot of their wins come up against mediocre or below mediocre teams. I need to start seeing them win some more like games versus the real contenders, real playoff teams, legit teams. Um, you know, they got a big Monday night game coming up against the, the Cardinals. This this game is essentially for the division. If the Rams want any chance at winning the division, winning the NFC West, it starts on Monday with beating the Cardinals. They must beat the Cardinals if they want any chance at winning the division. But the Rams, it looks like it seems, I need to I need to see them get back to Rams Sean McVay football, running the ball, play action passing, and so forth, playing physical on defense. That is gonna that's gonna do them well. That's gonna set them up well to win versus Monday to win versus the Cardinals on Monday night. But Rams at nine. At number eight, I have the Chargers. The Chargers played an exciting game versus the Cincinnati Bengals this past week. They're now sitting at seven and five. Um, I told I, I you know I was really high, I was <clears throat> excuse me I was really high on this Chargers team coming into the year. Um, I, I thought they could be a really good, a really good wild card team. Uh, they're right, like I said, they're sitting at seven and five right now. Can't can they still win the AFC West? Technically, yes, they can. Um, I think it's possible. 
Uh, but Justin Herbert, he's just phenomenal. Seven games this year with 300 yards plus of passing or 300 yards plus passing. Um, so, like, you know, he he's phenomenal. They're explosive offensively. Quick strike offense, very potent. Um, they still have their flaws. It's a really good roster, right? It's a really good it's – it's definitely a playoff roster, but they still have their flaws, especially in the interior. But they were able they were able to control Cincinnati's run game this past week. So I have the Chargers at eight. At number seven, I had the Tennessee Titans. They're still dealing with some injuries, but I like their identity. I like their culture. I like their coaching. Um, I, I think those three things remain those three things remain consistent with the Titans. Despite the injuries, you know, you're missing Derrick Henry. You're missing Julio Jones. You're missing A.J. Brown. Just, uh, I mean, just weapon after weapon and key player after key player. Um, I still think they are a bona fide, you know, playoff team when healthy. Uh, you know, they could be they could be dangerous. I think they could be really dangerous if they get their guys back healthy, which I think they will um, in time. I think they will be dangerous. But just due to all of the injuries, it's just a bit hard to really – move them up or to say much about them but like i said the three things that remain true with the titans their identity their culture and their coaching uh so i like the titans at seven at number six i have the dallas cowboys a little they were dealing a little bit of the injury bug as well but they're starting to get some guys back amari cooper tyron smith i think those two guys being healthy offensively on the offensive end of the ball it it, it does wonders for dak um, the Cowboys are 7-0 when rushing for 100 yards. That's also giving more support to Dak. Could Can Dak win you some games here and there? Yes, Dak has improved. Yes, Dak is a bona fide top 10 quarterback. No doubt about it. Probably even a top 7, top 8, depending on how you rank them. But Dak Prescott, he when he, gets, when he can get more support, it, it makes the Cowboys even, even better even better when they're healthy on offense. And, you know, Cooper, Tyron Smith, when those guys are there, when they have that front – when they got that front line pushing and moving that ball offensively, they are hard to stop on offense. And then they got some young playmakers on defense. Um, they got a big-time division game coming up versus Washington this week. So I got the Cowboys at six. At number five, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Their offense has to get it going. But their defense has been the key throughout this last five, you know, four or five game stretch. Their defense is only their defense is holding the uh, holding opponents 20 points over the last five games, 20 points or less um, <clears throat> that the Chiefs defense have been holding their opponents. Uh, that's been the key. The big key moving, altering Chris Jones back to D tackle his natural position. I told you guys, I think Chris Jones is the second best D tackle in football. He's virtually unguardable or I should say unblockable um and it's showing the the Chiefs defense they continue to show up big um so I got Kansas City at five at number four I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Brady might be the league's MVP they're number one in scoring offense number one in passing offense offensively Bucan the Buccaneers don't they don't they don't lack a lot they're starting to get their running game going too that's a that's a really big sign Going into the postseason, uh, their their remaining schedule is very doable as well. Uh, they play on they only play one winning team, uh, or one team with a winning record, I should say. Uh, so the Buccaneers and you know their home field advantage, they're trying to they look like they're trying to lock it up. 
Um, it's gonna be a bit difficult with Green Bay also rolling, but the the, the Buccaneers they are they look like they're striking and they're peaking at the right moment. Buccaneers at four. At number three, I have the Arizona Cardinals. They got Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins back. No problem. They are so explosive. Kyler might have been the MVP before his injury. Uh, Kyler Murray, you know, he, he like we we always knew like the tools and the talent, and the arm talent, and the explosiveness was always there. But now this year, he's mixing it up with the efficiency. So you get the explosiveness. The, the you know, all of the arm talent and athleticism with the efficiency. That is the Cardinals. They are efficient on offense. They're fast. They're quick. They're, they, they're, I mean, they do so many things well on offense. And defensively, they get to your quarterback. Cardinals at three. At number two, I have the New England Patriots. Yes, uh, coming off a big-time win, big division win, big conference win versus the Bills on Monday Night Football. They virtually had their way with rushing with 222 yards. Um, you know, they, they didn't have to throw the ball much. <laughs> I only threw the ball three times. I think that's the first time that a team has won a game and they threw the ball three times or, you know, that amount of time since 1974. Um, this team, you know, they have Miami, Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Indy left on their schedule. Uh so this team, they're they're clicking at the right, they're clicking at the right moment. They got a couple, they got you know some tough games coming up. You know, Indy is rolling, Miami and Buffalo, their division opponents and so forth. So we'll see how uh, New England finish off the season. But it looks like they have firm control of the AFC and the number one seed. They might be able to win out. Uh, my guess is they probably lose one one more game, but I think they probably finish twelve and five, and you know. Probably have number one seed in the AFC. They could be very dangerous in the postseason. At number one, I have the, I have the Green Bay Packers. Yes, <clears throat> the Packers at number one once again. I think this is now what the third or fourth straight week I had the Packers at number one. Um, they're rolling and they're doing so without a lot of impact players. I don't know if you guys realize, but the Packers are missing impact player after impact player after impact player after impact player. Um, they're missing pro bowlers, all pro, Jair Alexander, all pro, Aaron Jones, pro bowler. Uh, you know, like they're just the Darius Smith pro bowl. Like they're just missing so many guys, but they continue to win games and find a way to win games. Um, you guys remember early in the season, they went to Arizona and won without, without 11 starters on both. Like they, you know, Green Bay, this might be Aaron Rodgers best roster. I don't see why he would leave. <clears throat> looking at this roster and looking at the division, I don't see why Aaron Rodgers would leave. Why would you leave? The Lions are a dumpster fire, even though they got their first win this year. Congratulations to the Lions. <laughs> Congratulations to the Lions. I forgot to mention, they got their first win of the year, but they're a dumpster fire. The Chicago Bears, they're a dumpster fire. They're going to fire their coach. And then Mike Zimmer and the Vikings, uh, I don't know how long he has there. So, like, the NFC North is just a division of just dysfunction and just not good, dare I say. So I I think the Packers, they're, you know, they're rolling. Uh Aaron Rodgers is rolling. He looks to be, you know, if Brady isn't your MVP, it seems like it's a one-two race between Brady and and Rodgers. As of right now, uh it may very come it may very well come down to who has the best record, right? But I have the Packers at number one. I think right now, over the over the you know, the longevity of the year, and you know, 
the stretch of the year, I think they've been the most consistent team in football. Um, so that's going to wrap it up right here. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I will be back next week or the next episode. Hopefully, I'm, I may give you guys a Saturday episode, but if not, you, you guys know I will be back next Wednesday. Hope you guys enjoyed. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace. Deuces. See you guys.